I want to uh, perhaps use a passage this morning which isn't traditionally used at Christmas, but it uh, just spoke to me and uh, God said, okay, go with it. And it is, uh, and I'm going to share with you shortly, uh, one which touches my heart particularly, so I hope it will touch yours as well. It's from Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, for those who want to look it up. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Note it says most of the brothers. So if you're not up to it just at the moment, don't be discouraged. There will come a time when God will encourage you into it as well. This scripture is one that I have come to empathise with more and more as my ministry has developed over the last 25 years. And more particularly over the last 12 since I've been the full-time minister here at NCF. Without sounding pious, I do pray regularly for all of you. I do have a joy in my spirit as I think of you. And we will be hearing more about joy this evening. And I certainly, with the help of John and all the other excellent speakers we have week by week, pray that you will grow in your knowledge and relationship with Christ. I'm not so keen on the last part of this uh, scripture though, but even so, I can look back on my life and see times of trouble when I and Lynn have had to draw really close to God for his guidance, peace and love. And through that had opportunity to share our faith with others over the years. So this passage is very close to my heart and I want to share briefly this morning three points from it with you. First of all, 
and to thank God for you, the congregation of NCF, whether you are here for the first time or have been coming since its inception. As I said before, Lynn and I do regularly pray for you and ask God to take care of each and every one of you. And I know for certain that without your prayers, love and support, Lynn and I would have failed long ago. And we really do appreciate the fact that we know that there are many of you who pray for us on a regular basis. Second point, God, he who began a good work in you. God is faithful and trustworthy. And if he says he will, he will. And thirdly, whatever your circumstances, God can use you. We cannot always be on the mountaintop. We're told in the Bible that because Christ suffered, we must expect to share in his suffering as brothers and sisters in Christ. But we chose to join, so we cannot blame God for the fact that we suffer. But the great news is that he will sustain us and never place on us a burden greater than we can bear. He will never place on us a burden greater than we can bear. Because we are co-heirs with Christ, what a fantastic thought that is. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are adopted sons and daughters of the living God. But because we are co-heirs, we will share in his inheritance, that is eternal life in heaven, praising God with a new body, with no pain, no suffering, and no tears. In Revelation, we're told that there is no sun in heaven. That's an S-U-N sun. Because the radiant light of the Lord illuminates heaven. Must be a place way beyond our greatest imaginings. But as Paul shows us here, we need to use the opportunity God gives us to draw others to him so that they too can enjoy the joys of eternal life and heaven as well. We see that although Paul was in prison and in chains, did he sulk with God and say, why me? No, he used the opportunity to evangelise the palace guard. Note it doesn't tell us they all became Christians. That wasn't Paul's job then and it isn't our job now. Our job as Paul's was to make people aware of the good news of Christ and salvation through faith. The Holy Spirit then gives opportunity for them to accept or reject God. Also note the final sentence. As Paul spoke out, even chained and suffering in prison, it encouraged his brothers and sisters in Christ, or at least some of them, to become bolder in their speaking out the word of God. So, we have a choice when we are not in so good circumstances, whatever they may be. We can sit and sulk with God and give up on him, or we can accept the opportunities presented through those circumstances to make Christ known. 
Not only will we feel better and blessed by God as we do so, but we'll also encourage our Christian brothers and sisters around us as we do so as well. I think that as I've written that of Iris and Odette, two ladies who were in our fellowship for a time before their home calls to God, both had some pretty trying times in their lives. But did they dwell on them and sulk? Well, if we're honest, probably for a little while. But God wasn't finished with them, although they were both in their 80s. And those of you who knew them will, I am sure, agree when I say they were both an inspiration and a blessing to us as a church as they reflected Christ in their lives to those around them and took every opportunity to proclaim God's gospel to those who did not know it. I remember both their funerals. Iris's was described as a celebration and a farewell party rather than a funeral. At Odette's we had people come from the nursing home that she went to eventually and from the hospital and the doctors that treated her because she took every opportunity as she was in hospital to speak to the nurses and to speak to the doctors and her enthusiasm and her reflection of God was such that they just took her to her heart and I remember Lynn telling me that um, she went after Odette had died and told one of the sisters on the ward that she had been on and she knew this sister well and had never seen this sister show emotion. But as she told her that Odette had died, she burst into tears because Odette, through her faith and through her witness, had had such an effect upon her life. And she was at the funeral as well. So it doesn't matter how old you are, God can still use you. So if you're 60, 70, or even 80 plus. Don't give up on your Christian walk because God will still continue to use you and give you opportunities. And it's up to you. Do you take them? And do you continue to witness for God or do you walk away from them? For the moment, I just want to summarise what I've been thinking over this period. God encourages us to join together as Christians and as a fellowship and as NCF for a reason. To love, pray for and encourage one another in our faith and our relationship with God. As we do that, our love for each other in Christ will grow and God will be able to use us better as a church to bring about his plans and purposes. For we're told in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. My prayer is that the unity of NCF as a fellowship will grow and multiply in 2018 and that we will see God pour blessings out upon the church as a result tells us in this passage, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus.
God doesn't do things by half measures. When you give your life to him, he starts to work on your relationship with him from day one. And if you continue to be willing to submit to his kingship, and that's the important part, unless you're in submission to God, he can't work with you. So we need to be in submission. Then he will continue building you up until Jesus returns, or you are called home to glory. That's his promise. And God doesn't break his promises. God can and will use you in whatever circumstances you're in. You only have to look at some of the people in the Bible and the circumstances they were in. Some, I'm sure, far worse than any that you've ever been in. Paul himself was one of the most zealous of the people who were persecuting the Christian church and its people and had the power and authority to inflict pain and suffering on them. And he did. And yet God chose to use him. So don't let your circumstances dictate how you work for God. Rather, look to God to lead and equip you to serve him despite your circumstances and your rewards will be in heaven. One of God's greatest promises, if we submit to him, is found in 1 Corinthians 10.13. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What an amazing promise that is. I think if we're all honest, there are times in our lives when we've felt what's going on. Why are we in this situation? Where's God in all of this? If you've not felt that, then that's great, but I can certainly testify that there have been times in my life when I've wondered where God has been in it all. And it's times like those that we need to look and find verses like this one. We need to look back on our previous experiences and find out that God has been faithful in all of those circumstances. But we also need to be able to claim promises at the time. Don Moen, I think it was the hymn writer, wrote the following. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way. So if you're in a situation at the moment where you can't see the end of the tunnel, the end of the tunnel is there. You just need to keep walking forward, holding on to God, trusting in him, letting him lead you. 
says somewhere, he'll be a lamp unto your feet. So if you're in a dark tunnel, let God be your lamp unto your feet so that you can see at least the next step that you want to take. And he'll continue to be that light as long as you trust in him. And eventually you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. And he'll bring you through it. And for those of us who are a bit older, you'll be able to look back in the future and see what God was actually about whilst you were in that tunnel. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Because he works in ways we cannot see. That's why he's God. He's amazing. So, as we celebrate the birth of Christ this year, let's think about who Christ really is. And the amazing things that he has done. Does now and will do for us in the future both as individuals, as a church, as a nation, and as a world. A world that he created and rules over still, despite all the attempts that mankind has made to destroy it. We see at this time the things which are happening in Israel and in Palestine. And we are shocked. But should we really be shocked? Doesn't it tell us in the Bible that these things are going to happen? Doesn't it tell us that before the end comes, and we don't know when the end's coming, there are lots of people who are saying we're in end times. We might be in end times, but we might not. Many people over the years have tried to predict the end times. There's one particular group who, when that date that they've fixed comes, thinks, oh, says, oh, we got it wrong. This is actually the date, and they move it forward 50 years. I think one of their dates has just passed. But we don't know when the time will come for the end to come. But God knows. And it may be that the earthquakes that we're seeing, that the wars that we're seeing, that the fact that Palestine and Israel are in conflict yet again may be signs of the end times. But we just need to be continually praying, uplifting those people who are affected before God and trusting him. Because he knows when the time is right. And we can't spend our lives thinking, oh, don't need to worry because God's coming back soon. We need to live each day for him and to lift him up and to work for him and through him. So, as we start to think of the birth of Christ at this particular time, let us just hold fast to our faith hold fast to our trust in a God who cares for us, loves us and wants the very best for us. And as we put our trust and our faith in him, he will be faithful to bring about his plans and purposes in our lives. But we need to trust him. Because if we don't, if we move away from it, as the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, 
The journey they were supposed to take should have taken them less than a fortnight to do. But they rebelled against God. And as a consequence, God kept them in the wilderness for 40 years, trying to bring them to a place where they recognised God as their true God. And eventually let them into the Promised Land. But in the Promised Land, they were not a lot better. They still continued. And we continue today to rebel against God. And we see the world which has turned its back in a lot of cases on God. And God must be weeping in heaven. So perhaps our prayer at this Christmas time should be that God's church would rise up again because in all honesty a lot of God's church at the moment is very quiet. We need to have strength and boldness to start to proclaim his message again with conviction. It's no good being wishy-washy about it. To proclaim it with conviction. So that those around us can see that we have something that they need. No good going up to somebody and saying, oh, it might be a good idea if you came along to church because we might have something that you want. We need to proclaim with conviction the truth of God and his message. And God will honour that. When I was working in the bank, God gave me many opportunities to speak to people because I was a business banker at the end of my time and had lots of business customers that I spoke to. And when I wrote and told them that I was leaving the bank to go into full-time ministry, some of the messages I got back from in forms of letters were so encouraging because they had recognised God in me. And they recognised that the calling that I was moving on to was the right thing for me. So they had a little grumble that I wasn't going to be around anymore, but they also recognised that I was moving into the place where God wanted me to be. And not all of them were Christian. Some were, but not all. So, my encouragement to you this morning is to go out there and to allow God to use you in a real way to speak to those who don't yet know him. Do it with a conviction, because God will use the testimony that you give to them. You may not see the result of it. You may just be a small cog in God's plan for those people. But you may be that important cog that starts them on the path towards becoming Christian. So as we spend this time, if somebody comes this evening that you don't know, please go up to them and talk to them. Let them know who you are and why you're in this church. And let God do the rest. That's all we're asked to do, just to share our faith. So with that, I will finish.